0: You are tuned to KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m., Tuesday, January 17th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. It's dry outside for the moment, but we're headed for an overnight deep freeze, especially affecting those without shelter. The California report looks at another hardship for the unhoused, the end of eviction protections for renters. After regional news and weather, KVMR's Paul Emery talks to hydrologist Steve Baker about a devastating flood that killed thousands in the distant past. Could California be in for a repeat? We end with Mark Cuneberti's Money Matters
1: Commentary. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. Six people were shot and killed in a small San Joaquin Valley community early Monday morning. KVPR's Crescencio Rodriguez Delgado has the story.
2: The Tulare County Sheriff described the shooting as a horrific massacre that took place at a home in the small community of Goshen, just off Highway 99 deputies responded to the home just before 4 a.m. on monday after 911 callers reported what they thought was an active shooter because of the number of gunshots that were heard instead deputies found six people had been shot and killed including a 17 year old mother and her six month old baby two people were found outside the home and others inside sheriff mike budrow told reporters the department was pouring all resources into investigating the crime
3: we believe we have at least two suspects uh, at this point. Uh, We also believe that this is not a random act of violence. We believe that this was a targeted uh, family.
2: Deputies had served a search warrant at the home just last week. For the California Report, I'm Crescencio Rodriguez Delgado.
1: With the brutal winter storms behind us, much of California is just starting to assess the amount of damage that they caused. President Joe Biden will get a first-hand look at that damage as he plans to travel to the Central Coast on Thursday. Although the exact details of his visit have not been released, the White House says the president will visit with first responders and state and local officials. He'll also survey recovery efforts to help assess what additional federal support is needed. On Sunday, President Biden declared a major disaster in Merced, Sacramento, and Santa Cruz counties, which means the federal government will provide assistance to those communities impacted by the winter storms. The rain and snow has stopped falling in Southern California, but as the region dries out, more wintry weather is on the way in the form of biting cold. Cold weather alerts are in effect in several counties, including the L.A. communities of Santa Clarita, Lancaster, and Woodland Hills, where temperatures are expected to dip below freezing in the early morning hours. Here's National Weather Service meteorologist Kristen Stewart. Some
4: upper 30s are going to be common early morning across much of the area for much of the
1: week, too. Strong winds at times will add to the cold. The below average temperatures are especially concerning for unhoused residents. The LA County Homeless Services Authority is urging people to contact the agency and seek relief in a winter shelter. The cold front arrived on the heels of back-to-back storm systems during the three-day holiday weekend that dumped record amounts of rain and caused mudslides and flooding. In Orange County, a woman was hoisted to safety by a fire department helicopter after clinging to a tree in a rushing creek bed. And in the San Fernando Valley, nearly a dozen cars were crushed by a tree that fell in a shopping center parking lot. One person had to be rescued through their smashed windshield, but no serious injuries were reported. When the COVID pandemic hit in early 2020, local governments across the country passed eviction moratoriums to protect tenants from becoming homeless if they couldn't afford to pay their rents. As the pandemic eased, many of those COVID tenant protections have been eliminated. One place they still exist is Los Angeles, but maybe not for long. My California Report co-host, Saul Gonzalez, joins us to explain. Hey, Saul. Hey, Madi.
5: So unless L.A. City Council takes action to extend them, COVID eviction protections for renters in Los Angeles will go away on February 1st. The end of those protections will allow landlords to start evicting tenants for months and even years of unpaid rent. Landlords could also start raising rents on hundreds of thousands of rent-controlled units in the city. As the deadline looms, tenant activists are fighting to keep the eviction protections in place, like at this rally that was held outside of L.A. City Hall last week.
1: We're here to fight for housing, land, and tenant protections. If you're down for that, say woo!
5: At the rally, I talked to newly elected L.A. City Councilman Hugo Soto Martinez, who supports keeping eviction protections in place. He says if they do end, the effects will be immediate and catastrophic. Well, I mean, the stake is that it'll lead to the largest increase in homelessness. If you look at the projections, uh, you know, there's an estimated 12,000 more people could be out in the street as of the end of the month. So that's what's at stake right now. Art Aganurian is an advocate for renters at an apartment building in Hollywood. He says tenants there haven't bounced back from the pandemic and still need protections to keep a roof over their heads. I know a lot of people there do not
6: receive enough uh, income, either be from uh, benefits or from working, and it's uh, very, very hard for them to be able to make the the rental payments if they didn't have the protections or even the programs that exist to help them. So So. this,
5: for them, this is not just a nice thing. This is kind of an essential thing. Crucial.
6: Crucial. Are they going to get enough money to buy food this week? Are they going to have enough money to pay the rent?
5: But L.A. landlords argue that eviction protections have been in place for nearly three years now, and it's way past time for them to end as public health and economic conditions have improved. During public comment time at an L.A. City Council meeting last week, landlord Aris Thalsbury asked the elected officials to take into account the plight of property owners who've had to struggle to pay their own bills while their tenants
1: were protected. I stand before you a native, Angelino, But most importantly, I stand in front of you today as a small, a mom and pop property owner. And I'm just asking that we provide more inclusivity when it comes to owners because we have definitely been drastically impacted by what has happened with COVID. And we have not been extended the same comforts that a lot of tenants have had. And I think three years is more than enough to have come up with a sustainable plan.
5: Now, if LA eviction protections do end in two weeks, tenant advocates support implementing other protections for renters. They include requiring landlords to prove a just cause before an eviction, like failure to pay rent or a lease violation. Maddie,
1: That was my California Report colleague, Saul Gonzalez, in Los Angeles. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline. The California way to 401k. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, January 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
0: In regional news, the Nevada County Sheriff's Office announced on social media over the weekend that 79-year-old Phyllis Brody, who was reported missing Friday, was found dead after 2 p.m. Sunday on private property near Banner Mountain Trail in Nevada City. The Sheriff's Department said the official cause of death is pending a coroner's investigation. The Union newspaper of Grass Valley reported that Ms. Brody was believed to have walked away from her home at around 10.30 Friday morning, according to her niece, Ann Brody. The union said more than 100 people participated in the search to locate Ms. Brody over the weekend, including members of the Nevada County Sheriff's Office search and rescue team. Ann Brody said that Phyllis Brody was said to have been suffering from the early stages of dementia. Law enforcement officials said that in the past they had found Phyllis Brody out walking in the area of Banner Mountain Trail near where she lived and that she had previously hitchhiked into the Grass Valley area. The Sheriff's Office wrote in its post, Our heartfelt condolences go out to Phyllis's family and friends who have been notified that she was located. We appreciate the community support and the assistance of our many allied agencies in the search for Phyllis. Please keep her family in your thoughts and prayers during this difficult time. Turning to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service, after a break in the weather overnight, a quick-hitting system will move in midday Wednesday and last into Thursday morning. Snow levels during that time could drop to as low as 2,000 feet, but little or no snow accumulation is expected. In Nevada City and Grass Valley tonight, expect patchy fog in the early evening, then increasing clouds with a low around 29. Wednesday, we'll see a high in the mid-40s with a chance of rain and snow showers between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., later turning to rain showers. Wednesday night, expect rain, turning to rain and snow showers, then early morning fog and an overnight low of 31. Southwest wind could gust as high as 18 miles per hour. Truckee and Lake Tahoe will be partly cloudy tonight with a low around 6 degrees. Wednesday, snow, heavy at times, is expected after 4 p.m. with a high near 33 and a low of 15. New snow accumulation of up to 6 inches is possible. Tonight in Sacramento and Woodland, patchy frost and increasing clouds with a low in the mid 30s. Wednesday, showers likely after 4 p.m. with a high of 49. Wednesday night, showers mainly before 10, and a low of 39. Winds could gust as high as 20 miles per hour. Wednesday's precipitation is expected to measure less than half an inch. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Ten feet of rain in 43 days and thousands dead. No, that isn't quite what we've experienced in recent weeks. It happened in the 1860s right here in our state. Water scientist Steve Baker provides some historical perspective on our recent storms and tells us what to look out for in the upcoming months in this conversation with KVMR's Paul Emery.
3: This Water News with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Steve, we've been getting a lot of rain and snow um, in our region. I recall you mentioning California Department of Water Resources was concerned about the possibility of repeating a huge storm that happened in 1861 and 1862. And the last several weeks of storms telling us that the 1861 storm may happen or is it already happening? You know, that storm that you're
4: talking about was the largest recorded flood in the history of California. not just California, but also Nevada and Oregon. It was a big, big deal. The storm dumped an equivalent to 10 feet of rain. Okay. Can you imagine that? And all that came down within a 43-day period of time. So it was hard and fast for over five weeks. And to make things worse, right after, near the latter part of that period, uh, a warm, intense storm came through and it melted all that snow. That snowpack that they had at the higher elevations from, from 10 feet of water falling. And so the damages were f- crazy. Uh, they Back in those days, damages were approximately $100 million. So by today's figures, that would be over $3 billion. And unfortunately, 1% of the California population back in 1862 was actually killed in the floods. So there's a lot of bad stuff that happened. That's about 4,000 people. So in answer to your question, is it really happening again? Well, it's the opinion of a climate scientist. His name is Daniel Swain, and he says that, that we need much more intense and longer duration storms than what we're seeing now. And uh, it's not really expected that that's going to happen. You know, that we're not seeing evidence of that happening now. But consider the series of storms that we're, we've been living with for the last month or so as, as a wake-up call. That's what he says.
3: Well, Steve, uh, let me ask you this then. Uh, is the drought over? Uh, I mean... We are getting a lot of water, that's that's for sure. Yeah. Well, you know,
4: in Northern California, right now, the snowpack's at uh, 174%, and that was measured probably less than a week ago. That's great. Uh, it is January, however, so the next four to six months really will tell us how successful our snowpack is and how that relates to whether we're out of the drought or not. It's important to remind ourselves, though, that here in California, we're very unique as compared to the other lower 48 states. And what I'm talking about is we have the most variable rainfall going from one year to the next. Even within the same year, we can have super nasty downpours and then a severe water shortage all at the same time. This is California. So what we want to see will be additional storms uh, this February coming up in a March in order to, uh, you know, meet those annual precipitation averages. That's what we want to see. We don't want it to stop, keep on coming. But as it comes on and falls down on our lands, uh, we, we hope that it will Uh, uh, increase that snowpack, which is already great, fill up our reservoirs, which are on their way, but they have a long ways to go, fill up our groundwater aquifers in some areas it's desperately needed, and even the moisture content that we find in our forests, uh, in our soils, we want all that to go to average and above average.
3: So what do uh, me and uh, our listeners need to consider in order to have a good handle on the health of our water supply?
4: We'll keep watching uh, February and March rainfalls and pray that that rain event continues to deliver at a slow rate. That's what we want. That way, the percolation of the ground, as I said earlier, will uh, not only get into the ground, but also there'll be surface runoff that will fill our reservoirs and also really build up our riparian environments. That would be wonderful. Secondly, take notice of the air temperatures that we'll be experiencing through the remainder of the winter and spring. Now, if we have above freezing temperatures where the snowpack is located, that's not good because it's going to melt that snowpack too early. We want that snow to remain stored up in the high country until, you know, late in June and July. And even, you know, in August, we sometimes, a lot of times we see our snowpack up there. Also, uh, higher spring, summer, uh, and even fall temperatures, they result in more evaporation. When you have more evaporation, then... Your, whatever uses you have for your water, well, you figure it's not all getting there because some of it's getting evaporated. So we that does actually have a very significant impact on our, our use of water. So hopefully we won't have these exceedingly hot summers. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. And then, of course, one of the outcomes, the negative outcomes is uh, uh, increases in wildfires. So if we can be hydrated with lower temperatures, again, monitor, monitor weather so you know what's going on. But uh, lower temperatures, And good amount of water in the system is really going to help us even on the wildfire end of things.
3: Well, having this kind of rain, I'm sure improves the health of the forests. Thank you, Steve. You bet. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with our water guy, Steve Baker, on KVMR. You can email him with your questions at water at OperationUnite.co.
0: Many of us can't help but be attracted to the newest shiny object that comes into view. But for the purpose of growing your nest egg, Mark Cunaberti's philosophy is this, forgo glitzy startups and stick to investments with track records that have stood the test of time. Mark has more ideas in today's Money Matters Commentary.
6: welcome to another edition of money matters my name is mark kunniberti I often get approached by investors who have 10 20 or thirty thousand dollars in total and they ask me if they should invest in stocks since the majority of Americans don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars at their disposal the question becomes a reoccurring one generally speaking if the investor is young they might consider investing a certain amount on a regular basis in order to establish a sound and long-term retirement plan it doesn't have to be a lot indeed adopting a crippling commitment amount that one cannot continue for whatever the reason, is a sure way to derail an otherwise intelligent endeavor. It is better to start with smaller amounts that are doable no matter what may lay ahead. Since a young investor is new to the world of money, I first issue warnings covering beginning investing mistakes which are so common with new or young investors. I won't cover them here on this newscast, but there are many. You can send me an email if you want a copy of that previous article. Since the young investor has plenty of time to build wealth, I am of the opinion they don't need an investment advisor and avoid the fees and instead open up a discount brokerage account and buy a well-known and low-cost index fund and then add to it on a monthly or quarterly basis. The Vanguard family of funds comes to mind, but there are many other fine funds. Generally speaking, the larger the fund's envelope of asset allocation or geographical localities, the less volatile it might be. The reoccurring deposit into the account establishes not only a good habit one can take into adulthood the compounding of even a small reoccurring amount can grow to a significant amount given enough time. For older investors that might not have an extremely large nest egg, I remind them what they have is all they have, and it's that amount that keeps them from the line at the local food bank. That means not losing any of it, and that may mean placing their nest egg in a principal guaranteed investment. Today, that can include a savings account, some CDs, or a portfolio of U.S. treasuries, all of which are 100% principal protected by the mighty U.S. government. Although for the past few decades, these offerings have only paid a paltry return. These products are now paying a comparatively healthy payback now that rates are a little higher. Today, a properly constructed U.S. Treasury portfolio might offer an investor annual yields north of 4 percent, and that ain't bad. A triggered annuity might also be another option. Although annuities are not FDIC insured, they can be 100 percent principal protected by the underlying insurance company that's issuing the annuity. Triggered annuities may offer guaranteed interest rates and possible participants participation in market rallies as well, yet you avoid any downside. Even though someone may have a modest investment amount, some of these people may still wish to take some risk in the hopes of growing that nest egg. If that's the case, consider more well-known and widely popular growth stocks that have a proven track record and real profits instead of investing in wild startups with lots of promises but no profits. Going for the gusto might work out in your beer selection, but rarely pans out for the inexperienced investor when it comes to stock selection. On the flip side, I see the most damage done by investing in what I call privates. These offerings are not available through a broker, but brought to the investor by an advertisement relative or friend of a friend. Most are storylines about this or that idea or invention that sounds great, pushed by some enthusiastic entrepreneur or some glitzy advertisement. Either clickbait invest Investments might be seeking money for some property or businesses or startups. They are great stories for sure, but from my experience, instead of big opportunities, they turn out to be big holes where your money disappears along with the person that's at the bottom of the hole with their mouth open. That's a great visual, isn't it? Summing this up is to say don't buy anything that's not listed in the Wall Street Journal, which is to say whose existence is not widely known and not publicly listed. There are worthwhile and profitable investment opportunities privately available For sure, but I see too many dismal failures that swallow up people's money to recommend a private to the average investor. Avoiding some of the common pitfalls suffered by investing newbies and then considering some of the suggestions I have just made here might go a long way in helping you reach your investment goals, no matter what the size of your nest egg. That does it for today's Money Matters, and I'm watching the market so you don't have to. Today's newscast expresses my opinion only, is not meant as investment advice or a recommendation to sell or buy anything, nor represents the opinion of any bank or registered investment advisor, nor this media outlet, its staff members, or underwriters. I hold a in Economics with honors, 1979 in California insurance license, OL34249, and am a Medicare agent approved in the state of California. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com. Everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Cunaberny.
0: That's our newscast for Tuesday, January 17th. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Circle's Wild and Scenic Film Festival. Experience this year's 21st annual festival, taking place February 16th through 20th. Featuring environmental and adventure films with filmmakers, activists, workshops, celebrations, and more. Information and tickets at wildandscenicfilmfestival.org and Rick Kalb, Wealth Management Advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983, providing wealth management and retirement planning strategies. Also, second opinions on current investment portfolios on Spring Street, Nevada City. Information online at rickkalb.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Join us Wednesday for the next edition of the KVMR Evening News.